0: Welcome to Back to Us, the podcast. Join us as we decompress after leaving the fire and brimstone of evangelical spaces. Just a heads up before we begin. In this episode, we discuss religious trauma, end times type hypothetical violence, and we use some slightly salty language. We have Lena joining us today, and she has an awesome story. Well, I'm sure it. a lot of it didn't feel awesome when it was happening, but I really think it's... Um, really inspirational, like from where you've been and kind of where you are now. And so I'm really excited that you're here to share some of that with us today. Yeah, I'm stoked to be here. It's good to good to be on this podcast. It's an exciting topic in general. Like I just love what you're doing here. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. So um we are actually connected through my cousin. Uh Lena's partners with my cousin. And um we met several years ago, but hadn't really had a chance to connect in depth probably until this summer. Anyway, so so you come from a missionary family, essentially, right? Your, your parents were
1: missionaries? Yep. Yep. They were missionaries almost my entire life, except for a five-year period where my dad was a pastor, a worship pastor of a church. Okay.
0: So um, throughout your childhood, were you more often than not than living in other countries?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the basic rundown of the timeline, when I was one year old, we moved to Haiti and that was in '86. So, I mean, Haiti always has kind of a rough go, but the eighties were pretty rough. And so we moved there when I was one and we stayed um, until I was four. And then we hopped over to the other side of the the island and lived in the Dominican Republic until I was 11. And then um, my parents' church went through a change of pastor and asked my dad to come back for a few years to kind of help with that change. And so he was, we were there for five years And then they went back on the mission field, as they call it, to Spain. And so I finished high school actually in Spain.
0: Okay. So when you guys went back when your dad was the
1: pastor, was that to Oklahoma? No, actually Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Yeah. My parents met as high schoolers in Virginia and that was kind of their, you know, quote unquote home church and that's who sent them out. And that's where we always had our like base, like our USA base.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So then you were in Spain for most of high school, you said?
1: I was in Spain just for my senior year of high school and the year after. Okay. So I did a good portion of high school in in Virginia, actually. Okay. That must have been an adjustment. Man, it was really tough, um, especially my first year ever going, well, I went to kindergarten and preschool in the Dominican Republic, but then I was homeschooled and then went to like 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, and 11th grade in Virginia, and that was a wild adjustment. I basically went from living in the mountains of the Dominican Republic, speaking Spanish most of the time, you know, being like, my mom was sick for a couple years before we went home, so I was like barely homeschooled,
0: Wow! and
1: then we went to school in Virginia, you know, all English, obviously, and we were definitely the weird kids. It was it was real tough for a while. Was it a public school in Virginia? No, it was a, a private Christian school. Oh, so really small. I think I had like uh 40 people in my class, which okay. kind of probably helped because at least they understood my lingo a little bit. True. And it was too much culture shock there. But as far as like you know, just switching countries and starting school when you're 11 is tough. Yeah,
0: no kidding. Wow. That's intense. Um. So what are like your sort of first memories of being, you know, in these other countries and I guess how, how religion and being, you know, in a missionary family would tie into that. I guess I'm curious to know, like when you started to sort of like be aware of like, this is what we're doing here. This is why right. we're here. That kind of a thing.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting because I have letters from my mom that she wrote to me when I was in the womb and they say things like, I can't wait to see what Jesus has for you. And all I want for you in life is to love Jesus. You know, like, so there aren't any memories for me that aren't like that. Um, And my mom's, one of her favorite stories about me is how one day when I was, I think two, I ran up to her and was like, mama, I just gave my heart to Jesus. You know, so it's like from the very, very earliest age Um, anything to do with Jesus was like very rewarded. And so it was, and it was all about how that's what we were doing there is we were trying to tell other people about Jesus and we're trying to get everyone to love Jesus. And, um, you know, I started street ministry, which I'm sure people will know what I'm talking about, where we were doing like dramas on the street when I was eight, um, you know, and translating for people's testimonies and things like that like so I was like heavily personally involved from a very young age wow so there's like some pros and some cons to it obviously I think some of the cons were that the denomination and things that we were in was like very um like into sp- the spiritual warfare side of things uh, so yes demons <laughs> all the time and I mean I've had like nightmares about demons like into my 30s Because it's such a real like visceral everyday thing. Like, you know, we're just fighting the enemy every day. So things like that. Sometimes people
0: don't realize that when you come out of a high demand belief system like that, it's not just like, oh, you leave and you're done. Like there's so many like emotional just the emotional hooks go so deep, like even myself, I think I, the last episode that we recorded had do the rapture. Like I've had nightmares about the rapture until my thirties as well. So yeah. like these things stay with you. And I think a lot of people who don't share these experiences or even other Christians that maybe fail to empathize with yeah. sort of the uh, quote unquote non-believers, they don't really realize just the toll that it takes on you Absolutely. after
1: you've gone. Like it's, it's intense. And I I remember even as I was leaving the church saying to someone, I don't believe in religion anymore. And like, you know, I'm on the fence about like the God thing. Like, I don't even really know where I stand anywhere. All I know is I'm really scared to go to hell. And and
0: yeah, "Yeah." I can relate to that too. That that was like the last thing that stuck with me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And this person was like, just so you know, if you don't believe in God, like there is no hell then like you're, you're good. But I was like, no, it took me like years to dismantle the fear that had been instilled inside me. And like, it's not crazy when your parents are saying that to you, literally from the moment you're born. Like, I'm so excited. And I think that's why it was hard for them to let me go from religion as well, because they're afraid that I'm going to hell. Of course, And that's a loving thing, I guess, but still very traumatizing. Oh, hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's hard. I think too, you'll probably, I'm sure you'd relate since you used to be in it, you understand that fear of like your loved ones or people that you're friends with going to hell and you need to save them. So, so now you know that that's how they're feeling about you. And it's like, you know, there's probably no end to that as long as they're in it. So it, I understand it can be really frustrating for people who've left. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. like, it's a vicious cycle. And like one of the hard things for me as a person who has left the church is, um, and I I wasn't just in the church and a, like a benign passerby, you know what I mean? I was active mm-hmm. in like getting other people to think that way. And that's something that actually kind of haunts me a little bit is that, you know, there's people in the world that I helped to make think like that, you know? And so there's, there's going to be people that are, currently afraid of hell because of me. And that's, that's always been really tough for me. And I, you know, I was just a kid, so there's not much I can do about that, but it kind of sucks. That's one of the things that I, that I have had a hard time with too. Yeah, totally.
0: I, I agree with that too. I think about, you know, the amount I proselytized even at school. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't in other countries, but like I wrestled with guilt for a really long time and I still do. I think of, and I can think of a couple of people in particular who may not be where they are now if I hadn't dragged them <laughs> to <laughs> group and church and, and all this stuff. And some of them, like a couple of them seem happy. So I can't say that, yes, they're miserable and their life sucked. Their lives suck right. now or anything like that. But it's still such an odd feeling to know that like you had a hand in dragging them into that. But of course, like we didn't stand a chance. Like you were two, two years old or you weren't even born yet. And your mom was right. like
1: speaking these things <laughs> over you. <Right>. Um. So... <laughs> And we all know like with kids, if you reward a behavior, you're going to see more of that behavior, right? Like that's totally normal. And so in my family, it was always like Jesus first, Jesus first. And so that's Mm -hmm. the behavior that gets rewarded. You know, I like asked my mom to get baptized when I was like nine, like I was begging her to get me baptized because, and because of course it gives me like some really good perks with her. She was so excited about it, you know? And so I think at that point that was really what I wanted. And I I wanted it for all the right reasons that I knew of at that point, but as a nine-year-old kid. Do you mind speaking to I think you had mentioned before when we were talking this summer about
0: how you had a very early sort of martyr complex.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I forget about this sometimes because, oh, okay. So growing up as a missionary kid, and my mom, I think, had something to do with this also, but the thing I wanted to do when I grew up was be a missionary, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, lots of kids want to be, like, what their parents are, but I had these books about India. They they were old books at that point. I think it was about uh, a woman that worked in India, like, all through the, you know, mid-1900s, um, just kind of had a home for little girls that were, like, abandoned and all those things, and it, it talked a lot about you know, like the stories of the girls and then the woman that was taking them in. And I was like, that is what I want to do. I want to go to India and I want to take care of girls. And I know it's going to be dangerous. And I just hope that one day someone will chop my head off for God. <laughs> How old were you? I mean, so I, I can't remember when I got the book, but I think I would probably have been between like eight and 15 or eight and 13 when I had oh no! I was just really, and like specifically the head chop off thing. I'm not sure why, but like I wanted to be a martyr and give my life for the mission cause. But yeah, with the head chop off thing. And that was actually, you know, something that I, I verbalized out loud and my mom and my dad, you know, it was like not discouraged. Yeah. It's just so bizarre. <laughs> like now thinking I have two little kids now. And I just think that if my kid walked up to me and was saying something like that, I'd be like, Oh no, 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 no. Like that's not what we're goaling for in life. Yeah.
0: Well, you'd be like, why? Why are you saying this? Where did you hear this? Like, yeah. when you think of it out of context, like if if any if anyone else in outside of this belief system heard
1: their kid say that, they'd be like, what What are you doing in school? Like, where did you hear this? I want to be an electrician, and my goal is just to die as an electrician and get electrocuted <laughs> as an electrician. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't work in any other context. No, but all of a sudden, like you're a missionary, and it's like the the most beautiful way to go is giving your life for the cause. Wow. And it, it's just wild. I, I almost just didn't even think I was going to live to be very old for a long time. because wow. That would be it. Or, you know, obviously either, either the rapture. Of course. <laughs> the head chop off. Those were my two, <laughs> my two things. And
0: the head chop off factored its way into the rapture too. I remember. Did you, did you also have to watch the terrible rapture movies or, or oh, participate in that propaganda? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: remember they all got an upgrade when we were like, uh in high school with the the left behind series oh the the book series there was a book series but then they made movies out of them i think i remember seeing part of one of them but yeah yeah they were not as not as badly produced but still very scary
0: i imagine like from what i i don't remember i do remember seeing kurt cameron bopping around one of them that's all i remember the the 1970s ones were the ones that i had the most experience with and traumatized me the most but then yeah. this dude i'm gonna use the term rapture boner i don't know if that makes this show <laughs> um explicit now i have to say that on itunes <laughs> that it's explicit but that's the <laughs> only way i can put it this dude the sunday school teacher loved the rapture and every week yeah. we had a rapture movie and then we had a chit chat and he would tell us like this is all biblical it will happen yeah you know this is how the people are going to die with their head being chopped off and all this yep. stuff so or later it's gonna yeah. happen. And I remember reading Revelation at one point thinking, where is this in here? Where is any of this in here? (laughs) Like it didn't make any, I was still scared of it, of course, but it
1: made no sense. In your life telling you without a shadow of a doubt, this is happening. And like, we're just, we weren't taught to question things. You know what I mean? So Mm. if if any wackadoo in a church tells you something, (laughs) it's like, that's probably accurate, you know? Yeah, And like I'm my dad, I know my dad would try to like, be like, you oh, know, that person's a little crazy. Like if someone went way off the wagon, but if he wasn't there to tell me something, then I would probably just believe it. So yeah, there's like tons of things like that. that you're like, yeah. uh, I thought that for a long time. My mom just recently talked to me about the rapture and I felt really bad because she, this was just like a few months ago. And she was like telling me that she had been reading about the rapture a lot and reading Daniel and she was telling me that whatever whoever is doing her teaching currently was telling her that Daniel is world history like that's what the book of Daniel is it's just literally world history um which it's it's not I mean at best it's yeah I'm thinking okay <laughs> anyway she was telling me that and she was like so as a kid I just remember you like loved revelations like why did you love that so much and like really trying to figure out like what the deep reason was. And she was asking me so much that finally I was just like, look, mom, my favorite book during that time was also the Hobbit, you know, mm. revelations. If I had to read the Bible, that's the most exciting book. I didn't yeah. even know what was going on, but there's dragons and there's a woman riding a dragon and there's like stars <laughs> falling down. Like what's going on? It was crazy. Yeah. So, I think that really upset her, but. Because she like, wanted oh. to hear that there was something deeper than that. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And that as a child, maybe I had some kind of insight that no one else had, or I don't know what she wanted to hear, but I wow. was like, sorry, mom, I, it was fun. It was the funnest book.
0: Oh yeah. Actually. Sorry. Yeah. By far. <laughs> Looking back on it. Um, just, yeah. bring it back to your childhood. Like when in there,
1: do, do you remember when you started to kind of have doubts? Um, it's really interesting. Like I've thought a lot about this in my life and my mom got sick. She She's had like on and off kind of sickness throughout her life that no one has really been able to tell her what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had about a year where she was in bed for most of the time and then went back to the States for a few months to get testing done. And like no one ever really figured out what was wrong with her. And she kind of gets better and worse, better and worse. But anyway, so that was from like me being... I think she kind of got in bed for a while when I was nine or 10. And during that time, I was just like, God, if you heal her, like I'll do anything. You know, I'm just like a regular little kid. That's like, my mom is sick. Mm. And all I know is, is that I've been telling everyone and be, have been told my entire life that God loves us. And if we have faith that he'll take care of us and he, he can heal. And like, you know what I mean? Like if all those things are true then let's do this thing right like let's heal mom and um it never really happened like you know this is years and years and years later and it's still you know she still has a lot of those same issues and no one can really tell her what's going on and I think that was like the first crack in it for me Mm. because I was like I'll do anything and I, I just wasn't hearing anything um And then another crack that first started for me was, you know, my mom has this like beautiful belief in God and she's so happy and she just loves Jesus. And so she is so like, like she just says every morning you sit down with your Bible and you do not leave the house until you hear from Jesus. And that was always really tough for me because first of all, I'm like a hyperactive person. It it was hard for me to just sit down with my Bible every morning. Anyway, I did, I think pretty well but I just wasn't hearing from Jesus. And so, you know, I'm like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be hearing or what I'm supposed to be seeing. Or, you know, I don't really know, but all I know is I'm trying so hard and I tried so hard my entire life grew up and, you know, kind of just didn't hear anything. And so in my twenties, I kind of like bounced back and forth of like really trying hard and then, you know, feeling really discouraged. And then in my twenties, I started, um, like researching how the church got put together and like the whole background of religion and like why it's set up the way it is and why we have different, um, see, I've been out so long, I can't even remember the word, but like all the different types of church, what are my denominations and things mm-hmm. like that. And like, so our denomination thinks that snake handlers are crazy, but like everything else is pretty much good. Whereas like my partner's, People would think that we were crazy because we spoke in tongues and believed in healing, and if we saw gold flakes, then you know we thought that might be normal. Uh, and so I just did like a bunch of like basic research and came to my own conclusions that I felt for me that it was like very man-made and very put together for you know control reasons, and mm-hmm. I it just like really fell apart for me. And, um, once I was able to get myself out of the church, which was a a long process as well, what I didn't find was that my life was horrible and sad Mm. and, you know, it didn't fall apart, which is what I was always told. And what I was always afraid was going to happen. I felt more free and like happier than ever. And found that I had like really good relationships that weren't forced you know like from the church setting and things like that and it's just it's been like kind of weird and very freeing for me but yeah I can see veins of it all the way down to being a kid and it was even a little sketchy I'm sure your family told you this too but like you shouldn't do too much research and you shouldn't read other religions because that is dangerous you know what I mean and I'm like why is it dangerous I'm apparently allowed to go to school and learn everything else in the whole world but I shouldn't look into like the main thing that we live by like I don't yeah I didn't understand it
0: I remember there was a lot of concern before going off to college because I did not pick a Christian college and or no, university you? which <laughs> you know, that was <laughs> like I think one of the first disappointments my family would have had about me is I did not go to the Bible colleges that they wanted me to go to but mm-hmm. I remember them giving me a book called how to stay Christian in college and wow yeah. <laughs> just a hard real hard practical how to guide. <laughs> um, I don't remember if my family told me this or this was in the book. I-, I think I was warned not to take religious studies because you don't just study Christianity, you study other religions, which is a huge no no. Can't do that. Yeah. And um stay like be very careful about your philosophy classes. Yeah. Um, be careful about reading any books, which is kind of the point of
1: going to university, but totally. <laughs> But it is, it is just like this thought that like, we have the one exact right way of believing and every single other person, even if they're a little bit off is wrong. And so if you learn even about other like Catholics, we're like wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now I'm like, I don't know. It seems pretty similar. Wrong. Yeah. So it's, it's wild. I remember being told that Catholicism was a cult.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's really funny now thinking about it because uh, yeah, it's just funny. Hilarious.
1: Yeah. Wow. Call it, I, I remember I really wanted to go into the Peace Corps. Oh, okay. And just do like a couple of years of that, but it turns out it's a fairly liberal organization. Can't have that. And yeah. My parents, they they didn't say that it was like a liberal organization, but they said, it was like, it's not very safe because they'll just like send you out to like live in a village and like, you know, they're like not super protective of women in that organization. And like, you know, it's just, it's like not a good place to you. And like, I just was like, okay, Peace Corps out, not gonna do it. And now looking back, I'm like, are you kidding me? We moved to Haiti with two little kids. And then like, when we lived in the Dominican Republic, we had female single women in their 20s and 30s doing that exact same thing living in small villages without any other like whatever support from us like we would go see them once a month or something like that But we had people all over the country doing that exact same thing and I'm looking at it now just going like no it's a liberal organization period that's where it stops that's why you didn't want me to do it yeah (laughs) because if I had told you in the next breath okay cool then i'm just gonna go to africa and like work on this mission they would have been like that's amazing you should totally do you know what i mean like oh yeah it's just over and over again looking back at it i'm like if you do the christian thing that's fine but everything else is dangerous
0: yeah for sure also like did it occur to you at any point while you were there while you were in these other countries with your family the colonization aspect of it did did any of that or did that kind of occur to you later
1: It's really, really, it's kind of funny because um, obviously we went, I feel like we went almost in levels of that, right? Because like Haiti would be, Haiti is like the most missionaries per capita of any country in the world, I think. Wow. Like that country is just, it's insane. There's so many people going in and so much like aid that goes in. And so we go to the Dominican Republic, which is like a lot more stable, um, and what we did in the Dominican Republic was we started a school. I say we, my parents, they started a school to train Dominicans to be missionaries. It's so meta. So, like, yeah. And they were targeting specifically the Sahrawi people in Northern Africa because the, they speak Spanish. And it's a lot easier for Dominicans, excuse me, for Dominicans to get into the country than Americans to like live and get visas and all those kinds of things. So that was their whole goal there, which is like kind of teaching them to colonize the other people, which is weird. But the first time I really like had that thought was when we were in Spain, because we moved to Spain to start a church. That's like what we wanted to do was start an evangelical church. And we get there and Spaniards are just like not interested at all. My parents were there for 13 years and they founded a very successful church to Spain um, standards, which is, I think like a hundred people were in the church, maybe, Mm. but almost no Spaniards. It was like Mm. um, mainly like Venezuelans and Mexicans and like people that had moved there from other countries. And so living in Spain was like one of the first times where I was like looking around and I was like. I don't really understand why we're here. Like, I feel like they don't want us here. Everybody has whatever religion, you know, they're all Catholic Mm -hmm. and I don't, I mean, my parents would argue that they're like not truly like plugged in and like, you know, it's not like really part of their everyday system and things like that. But that was the first time where I was just like, this seems a little sketchy to me. Like you guys can (laughs) fine and we're starting this church but it's like kind of a battle. And like, I'm not really sure why we're even trying. And now looking back, I'm like, I don't know, just way more horrified because that, you know, it is what it is. It's us saying, look, we have a good life. You guys should all be like us. When they're like, you know, telling somebody in a small village in the Dominican Republic that what they need is Jesus is really tough because really what they need is like, you know, maybe like better infrastructure and like, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't even know what they need because it's not me, you know? I I don't want to go in there and tell them what they
0: need. Which, yeah, to assume that like we, we have the answers and we know what they need and we're going to go into these places and and tell them like, I remember that mentality. Like I didn't personally do any missions trips, but I wanted to, of course, now looking back on it, I think what I really wanted was to travel Mm (laughs) and to do so under, you know, the guise of like being a good Christian and doing what, you know, everybody wanted, but I remember, And I don't actually, I don't remember this, but I wrote about it that in my journals that I'd gone to this missionary class every week. And so when you're looking at the time I put into the church, even as high as a high schooler, going to church, going to youth group, playing piano for the youth band and the the middle school or the youth band, the youth group for the high school and the middle schoolers going to this missionary group every week, even though I wasn't going on any trips. Like you look at the time and like the energy and everything that you put into this. And then you look at the reasons why you were doing it and you're like, oh my God,
1: I didn't have a childhood. <laughs> like- yeah. All those things you're saying are like the mandatory ones, but don't forget about the extracurricular fun ones. Like, you know, youth group lock-ins and potluck yeah. and um, Christmas plays that we get to be a part of. And, you know, mm-hmm. all there's just, there's a lot. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm very cringed by myself when I think about, we just went all over this entire island dropped in for like one day, did some dramas, got some people to say they would believe in Jesus and then bailed. Like Jesus will make your life better, peace. And it's, I would be really interested if I was like a scientist or like a, I don't know who I would have to be to do this, but it would be really interesting to go to all those villages and try to find the people that saw us and Mm -hmm. just be like, what did that do in your life? like, did that do anything? Did that like change anything? How would you feel about it now? You know what I mean? Like just yeah, do a little poll. That would be, be really interesting.
0: interesting. Yeah, for sure. And also I should ask, is your, was your parents, were your parents a part of a greater, like were there a bunch of missionaries there from your denomination or you said your denomination wasn't really so much a denomination as more of a group. Like it was like assemblies of God. I think you had said.
1: Yeah. So the church that sent us out, um, they call themselves non-denominational, uh, but it's pretty much assemblies of God. So Mm -hmm. they do like the speaking in tongues and the, um, prophecy and healings and all those kinds of things. Uh, but my parents did different things at different times as missionaries. So the first thing they did in Haiti was they worked with a pastor who had churches all over the country. And so my dad there worked with him to teach them music for the church. And then also he, this is one cool thing. He like, he taught a bunch of guys there how to start a business. And so he taught them carpentry and then helped them set up businesses. So that's actually like a cool, sustainable kind of thing, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when we went to the Dominican Republic, we worked with YWAM. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like a a global um, evangelical kind Mm -hmm. of church building. Yeah. uh, Missions group. And so we worked with them for a while and that's who we built that school with. Uh, And then we went back to Virginia and then we went out again, we just went out as ourselves to build a church, like sent out from our church. So we kind of dabbled in all different ways of doing it. So the last time that they went out, they were uh, not affiliated with anybody in Spain really. There was a YWAM base there and we were friends with those people, but we weren't like really working with them.
0: Was yeah. there a particular reason they sort of branched off from that church or was it just like, you know, we want to go it alone and, and you know, do this for ourselves? Like, Well, no. So they were
1: sent out from the church in Virginia. Okay. So they were still like very much aligned with that church. Gotcha. Um, but they just didn't have anybody in country, like in Spain. That oh, they I see what you're saying. Right. Gotcha. So they were essentially trying to recreate that same type of church, you know, with the like mm non-denominational like the contemporary worship and prophecy and speaking in tongues and all those kinds of things of course
0: in frame. of course yes gotta have the spiritual gifts it's <laughs> the right way yeah and it's funny what you're saying they see so when you're talking about the snake handlers those are the people that cover themselves in the poisonous snakes and expect not to get bit because jesus right so right. that's taking it too far yes but it,
1: in our view yes that you know, that would be considered crazy. And so my partner, Patrick, when we got together, I had always understood that he came out of Christianity as well, but he was Nazarene. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about Nazarene. I thought it was probably more, um, like more uptight than we were, but his church is like very awesome. They're very chill and they do a lot of like community work and stuff like that. And so I, I used to joke with him all the time that he like was never a Christian. I was like, we would not have really considered you a Christian. You didn't read the Bible. You didn't really believe in hell. Like you weren't scared of things. I don't really get like what you did there and like what you feel like you came out of, but it was, it was and he thinks that the way I was raised is insane. He's like, speaking in tongues, are you serious? That's like, no, 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 no. That's not intellectual at all. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so even like both of us coming from a religious background do not see eye to eye at all.
0: I remember that too, from growing up. Cause I grew up Wesleyan, which is actually quite similar to Nazarene, but my churches were not chill. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Patrick must've found him and his parents must've found a, a unicorn. Like yes. Sect of
1: Nazarenes. but And some of the, some of the Nazarene churches I think are not like that. Right. Mm, from what I understand, yeah. like some of them are a lot more um, strict. So I don't, yeah but i do
0: remember Mm -hmm. that idea of the people speaking in tongues are crazy um spiritual gifts like there were verses about spiritual gifts but they don't include that and um you couldn't go too far it had to be their own specific you know you're looking through their lens of what christianity is right and yeah it's just i had a,
1: a really funny story about this actually we were at a church and they were having you know like a revival essentially in the church. And some of the things that were happening were that, you know, they would all go down to the front and be praying and they would all be like, you know, shaking and falling down and mm. um, the pastor would be prophesying over everybody and they would just be gold flakes. You know what I mean? And that's supposed to be, like, there's just like, there's just gold flakes. Like, like you, you could see these gold flakes? Yeah, there's gold flakes everywhere. And it's the spirit of God, like manifesting and whatever. And so, Like, I'm just like sitting there or whatever. I guess I'm, I was done. I don't really remember what I was doing, but I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this woman's bag and I can see a bag of glitter in there. And I was just like, you have a bag of glitter in your purse. You're throwing glitter around. And she's like, oh, oh, well, no. And I was like, yeah, I'm looking at a bag of glitter in your purse. And she's like, she's like, no, it's supposed to be like a metaphor oh and i was like woman that's not how you're portraying it like you're making you're trying to make it seem to everybody like we're praying and when we open our eyes the spirit of god has fallen on us and it's oh my god <laughs> like you
0: know what i mean yeah it's bad it was this before or after you had kind of deconstructed
1: and like left religion No, this was like in my teens. So I was very much still in it. It was on a trip that we took to the United States to like raise funds or whatever. Okay. Um, But yeah. And so even that still didn't like phase me in the moment. Really? That's one bad apple kind of, you know what I mean? Okay. Like everything else though, like all the people shaking and the prophecies and all those things, that's all real,
0: but the gold, not real. I feel like that would have, I mean, who knows when you're, when you're that far in it, I feel like I would have definitely had a problem Yeah, seeing how phony, like literally right in front of you from, you know, Michael's craft store, this yes. lady,
1: <laughs> like, wow. And under any other circumstance, a woman going into a place with carpet and throwing glitter around, like you would want to punch her in the face. <laughs> yeah. Glitter is for life, lady. Like that's not okay. No, glitter is for life yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. The- I don't know your brain is just so weird in those moments because yeah. from like i said from birth i'd been told that prophecy is 100 percent god talking to us and when someone prays for you and you fall down that's god you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. so those things were not in question for me because it had just been everything i'd ever known yeah just...
0: drilled into your mind for sure
1: yeah i was also told you know, that when you leave church, the things that happen are that you don't ever have real friends again, because Mm. out of the world, you can't trust that anyone is your friend. And if you get hit by a car, you're gonna be in the hospital alone because who's gonna bring you a casserole if you don't have your church family? You know, it was just things like that, where it was like, not only are you gonna go to hell and your soul will be damaged and, you know, you won't have any more moral compass. So you might end up murdering someone, but you also won't have any real friends. So yeah. enjoy that. It's really so just unbelievably
0: manipulative and just emotionally stunting to tell someone, like, and, and that's, and they always say, like, I find my family people who are in the church will say, like, well, you're free to go anytime. This isn't a cult. You know, we're not keeping you here. It's like, yeah, right. but
1: you, you know, what's going to happen to me if I leave? How about that? Yeah. And they tell you, will be able to talk to you on like a good, you know they might not be able to have surface conversations but no more parents think about that
0: (laughs) yeah and even though like my parents are still in my life I I know that they there's this undercurrent of like if only she'd come back to Jesus and it's not the same and and all of that like you just know that you're carrying this like disappointment for them and I find that that's that's very difficult and um yeah it's just so emotionally manipulative and sure you are technically free to leave but like who wants their life to be a mess? who wants to not have real friendships and never experience true joy and like right yeah it is
1: it is like um my parents i should say this my parents have gotten so much better over the last few years and they're like being way more open and i don't worry about that as much anymore um But yeah, with the free to leave thing, it's like the scariest thing ever. And it takes years. For me, it took years to get out and then years also to get over it. Mm. Um, You know, like I still wake up on Sunday mornings and I'm just like, I don't have to rush around and I don't have to go like gear up for a church thing. And, And I think like what you're doing in this podcast, part of it is like really, really needed because there are people that are needing to leave the church and they know they need to leave the church and they're terrified because of all those things we just said. You mm-hmm. know, like you don't know what know what the world is like past that. Mm-hmm. And you know, hopefully they stumble across a podcast like this. And hey, for any of you listening, if that's happening to you, there's light at the end of the tunnel and life can be really good and really beautiful. And yeah. you can have great relationships. It's you know one of the surprises of my life, honestly. Yeah. Is that- Things can be really good outside of religious context.
0: Hundred percent. I remember just the relief of the the friendships that I had, where I didn't have people constantly asking me like, "How's your walk with Jesus?" You know, people actually cared about
1: how I was. You know, there was just so much relief there. And you don't have to hang out with anybody you don't want to hang out with. Yes, which happens to me all the time in church. We're like, "Well, we're all going out after church, but okay, we'll have to invite those like three weirdos or like three creepy guys that I." like now would absolutely never spend a single second with oh yeah I would spend years like being friendly with you know and they would try to like get with me all the time or like tell me that God told them that we were going to get married things oh, like that yes like, I'm that like, happens no. so
0: much oh. Yeah.
1: oh and I I literally thought that God was going to make me marry someone I didn't want to marry yes which is wild
0: I remember there's this feeling that like if you're, if you're uncomfortable, then you're doing the right thing because God does not want you in your comfort zone.
1: Right. And it's just, he won't give you more than you can bear.
0: No. And if you, if you can bear it, if you're still there, then guess what? You can take a little more. Yes. <laughs> you could take whatever you're, however many of these creepy people are telling you like, Hey, God told me, cause what if God did tell them? Maybe yeah. just you're, cause I remember thinking to, like about myself, I was like, maybe my relationship with God just isn't strong enough that I'm hearing these same messages. So maybe these people are right and I'm not giving them enough time
1: and you just distrust maybe there's yourself. A lesson for you. Maybe there's a lesson for you in marrying someone that you don't like or love at all.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, maybe, you know, if you live with them for the whole rest of your life, you'll learn that lesson and maybe you'll be <laughs> turned into a diamond for the Lord. I don't know. <laughs> it's, true, you know like- like, it's so freeing now to be able to be like, I don't want to be in a relationship with that person, like friendship or otherwise. And right now, this is what I need for my mental health or like, I don't want to go to this event. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't feel pressure all the time to do, to do things that I don't want to do. Yeah. Uh, which in a church setting, it's like no, there's like conferences, and you really need to go to them for your spiritual development. And there's, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever went to a purity rally, but I had to go to those all oh, the time.
0: Not a rally, but I remember it being very much a forefront of our, like our small groups that we would have. And I remember signing a purity contract at one point.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, so much problematic there. Purity so rings, much purity, everything, and at least from the view that I saw it was very much like you know they worked with the boys on like um you know with accountability partners accountability (laughs) yeah I remember that for the women it was very much like for the girls it was very much like you know you need to not be a stumbling block and Mm. you need to not make this your fault and you need to wear like clothes that cover you and all these things and so that was another like brain freeing moment for me to be like no, I can wear absolutely anything I want to wear mm-hmm. because this is my body and my life. And if I feel comfortable, and I'm going to wear it. And if that's a problem for you, then that's your problem. That's not yes. on me. Someone literally told me one time that my toe crack was causing her husband to stumble, and I was about twelve. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> I yeah. don't have words. And then I'm feeling guilty because I'm wearing these, like I guess, seductive shoes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> seductive flip-flops or something like yeah. what
1: well no so it's not it's not like a song thing it's like okay it's like a low-cut heel does that make sense i mean, your toes show oh yes so in the, the front in the front yeah but there's nothing like going between it's like a it's like toe cleavage if oh, that makes sense i would told that my my toe cleavage was a problem for her you know 50 or 60 year old husband and that oh, i needed to watch what i was wearing and i was just like at that moment, of course, I'm like, oh, my God, there's something wrong with me. Like, I'm wearing these shoes. No, you're 12. You're 12. Your husband needs help. He's like perving on a 12-year-old because of her toe crack. Get out of town.
0: Toe crack. Like, I just, just the idea that we're reducing women to items, calling yep. them stumbling blocks anyway, is already <laughs> <Yeah>. hella problematic. <laughs> and now we're sexualizing 12-year-olds. yeah and which is also awful and then it's <laughs>
1: because of their shoes like yeah. I wow They're that was just- one way that my mom was always very fierce if she ever heard anyone saying anything like that she would say uh if you have a problem with my child's clothes you can talk to me I'm the one that let of the house in that so because she was very strict about what we
0: wore
1: mm. I mean she was very strict like we couldn't wear like um we couldn't have our stomach showing no short shorts no mm. tank tops like spaghetti straps anything like that so like when somebody found me to be a stumbling block you know they were trying (laughs) they were trying to see me as a stumbling block yeah i remember the no
0: spaghetti straps that was a very anytime you saw someone wearing spaghetti straps in church you're like oh my god like that was or oh my gosh sorry not oh my god that's you know taking (laughs)
1: lord's name in vain
0: happens to Betsy yeah yeah
1: oh my lord definitely like uh growing up as a missionary kid we often like we would go places and my dad could always just kind of wear his thing you know suit or whatever but we would often go to like Pentecostal churches or places like that where my mom would not be allowed to wear any makeup no jewelry even a wedding ring and I mean some of them maybe just a wedding ring and then like you know long skirts things like that like all the time so uh I definitely grew up in that life too where sometimes it was totally fine if she wore pants but then we would go to other churches where it was like no gotta wear a skirt makeup is off limits you know so that was always interesting too because like what what is the reason you know if it's like some people have a problem with it but some people don't the clothing thing I never really understood
0: no and they always point to the same bible verses I think there was one about women I think adorning themselves
1: with Jewelry or something like that. I forgot about that because we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. We want to be humble. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's almost that verse gets brought up a lot. um, Like if girls are pretty, I feel like, where they're like, it's going to be really hard for you to like, um, have a good relationship with God because you're pretty. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, I didn't have too much of that problem in my teen years, but I definitely saw that with different people. Where they were like, you know, you should really like try to cover yourself up even more than other people because you're beautiful. It's like,
0: yeah, cool. I saw that with with girls who maybe developed faster, who exactly. were curvier, um, which is just terrible to throw that at a child, yeah. at any well, yeah. any woman, but especially as a child. Like your body's bad, you need to cover yeah. it up. Your natural body that you were born with, yeah. Like,
1: and for my little yeah. sister asking me what a lady of the night was oh because our assistant principal said that she was dressed like one and let's be clear we had to wear collared shirts tucked into khaki pants with a belt and shoes so somehow in all that get up i guess i think it was makeup she had an issue with but she said she looked like a lady of the night and my sister was like i don't even know what that means how old was your sister? Um, she was, I think she was probably 12 at that point or 13, oh my God.
0: maybe 13. Imagine saying that to like, and I mean, I know for, for you, so you've got two kids now, I've got one on the way. And that's really put a lot of things into perspective because i thinking like, I can't imagine saying or implying or hearing other people saying or implying these things to my like drop pick them
1: in the face like, absolutely and honestly like one of the things that has really hit home for me with having kids too is the thinking of uh that there's a loving god and we are his children is like the concept right
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I'm thinking like I don't even want my kid to like have a cold or like yeah. in her knee I would never create hell that if she didn't like want to have a relationship with me that i would send her there like i can't even imagine you know what i mean like apparently god created that structure yeah is is what we were taught that he created that structure he created hell to send i guess the devil there but people go there too is what i was taught Mm -hmm. if they don't accept jesus and that like blows my mind having a kid so i'm like i just wouldn't create hell I don't even want there to be an option for that. I don't care if she's the worst child in the entire universe. Yeah. Like, if she told me she never wanted to speak to me again, I'd be like, okay, I still don't want her to burn up in fire.
0: No, eternal conscious torment. Like, that's...
1: Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah, that was another... I don't know. Having kids has been a whole other layer of it for me where I don't want anyone talking to her about hell. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone putting any of that fear on her I don't even you know I I want to stay a million miles away from it
0: yeah same that it's that definitely made me think of that too about how far I want to keep them and shield them from you know any of that way because I remember and you remember too how, like just how deep it goes and how much fear it can cause mm-hmm. because of course it does eternal conscious torment like and I remember that being framed in a way that's like well that's a punishment. That's God's way of punishing us. And it's perfect because it's God. You can't question it. Um, Well, you can ask questions, of course, but (laughs) don't because it's God. (laughs) Like they always tell you, oh yeah, feel free to ask questions. But then you like, if it's certain questions, questioning the nature of God, like that's not welcome. Right. There's no,
1: there's no real answer to it. No, we're just human. So it's unknowable to us.
0: Yeah. We can't, we can't know.
1: Perfect.
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: it's beyond.
0: Yeah. There's so much stuff. I want to respect your time. I know you said you had, you've got work. You've probably got to get
1: back to the job and see, I work at a brewery now. So I've, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely, uh, gone gone a different direction in my life, but it's, it's very fun. So,
0: yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, but I would love to connect again because I think we've got a lot. there's so many things we could talk about um, if you wouldn't mind being on again um, because I think also there's things in your story I'd like to get to as well maybe later on like as you were leaving like the process of sort of extricating yourself from the church and kind of coming back to yourself I'd love to get into that if you have time sure absolutely I
1: I, uh, like I said I think this is like important work that you're doing because people need to know that there's another side and there's hope yeah. and yeah there's there's lots of ways to live life for sure
0: there is hope out there if anyone takes anything from this episode yeah.